Hey listeners, the holiday season is upon us and the Slate Shop is the perfect place to take the guesswork out of your gift list. You can browse the selection of hand-poured candles, classy cocktail kits, stunning stationery, expertly crafted pasta makers, and everything in between. We even have official merch for the Slate fans in your life. From 1124 to 1127, that's Black Friday through Cyber Monday, we're offering 30% off all items in the store. Get your gift sets, stocking stuffers, white elephant gifts, and a treat for yourself while you're at it by going to slate.com slash shop. That's slate.com slash shop. Happy shopping. Welcome back to Big Mood, Little Mood. With me in the studio this week is Ben Gullard, an artist living in Brooklyn who designs exhibits for children's science museums. He's also my oldest and best friend in the world. Ben Gullard, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I want you to know that uh, this is how I found out what your job is. I figured. Yeah. That's really cool. Because it changes a lot. And also, you're the type of person that, you know. I forget things. Yeah. I forget things like what is my oldest and best friends in the world is a job. But you know, it doesn't matter. No. You used to work for art. I did. Then you lived upstate. Yes. Now you work for museums. Yes. Sure. How's that going? Good. Fantastic. Yeah. I couldn't be happier. Uh, Listeners, if you notice that today's questions feel a little bit uh, snappier than usual, a little bit more uh, off the wall, it's because our uh, questions filtering system, I guess, recently broke. So I had to borrow these from Janae, who who runs Dear Prudence. And so these are like the big Dear Prudence questions uh, with, with really exciting and unusual problems. So this is not just your average, my mom is mean, what should I do? Stop talking to her? Where I say, yeah, stop talking to her. This is, this is like the weapons grade problems um, that I'm really excited. I don't mean to put down the question. I just mean like, Big mood, little mood gets like a certain type of question, which tends to be like big mood difficulty relating to older members of my family and or being taken advantage of at work. Mm-hmm. And the dear prudence questions tend to be more alongside like fighting over family inheritances or I think my car is trying to kill me. Uh, and that's really nice sometimes. So the subject of our first letter is feel so powerless. My fiancé's parents are very conservative, albeit in slightly different ways. I've always had issues with them politically, and I've had to hold my tongue or respond with civility when they say things I think are wrong. My partner and I are progressive, and I grew up in a progressive environment, so sometimes it's been difficult to treat them respectfully. However, my partner's younger sister has just come out to them, and they are now talking about disowning her, and even talking about disowning my partner for, quote, not fixing this. I think they are being incredibly abusive, hurtful, and deranged. The hope right now from both sisters is that their parents will come around. But I don't see a world where they really do. To call your own daughters such horrible things, to manipulate them, to demand repayment for college tuition, and threaten to disown them unless they take back being gay is just beyond the limit as far as I'm concerned. They're also adults. My partner is 34 and her sister is 27. I don't think even if things got a bit better that I would ever want my future children around these people. How do I square this? Neither sister is really angry, just sad. This behavior isn't new. It's par for the course. I didn't love being around them before, but I was at least able to develop a friendly relationship. Now I'm just disgusted. 
yet still my partner sees losing them as the end of the world. I get that they're family. My own father died this year, and it's really shaken me to the core. What do I do here? I'm so angry at them for being so bigoted and abusive. I could really relate reading this one uh, about being in a relationship with someone whose parents you hate more than they do. And it's really difficult because I've certainly in the past erred on the side of come join me on island, your mom and dad suck. And generally speaking, it's difficult to offer support when you live on that island. Yeah. And, and that's not to say, letter writer, that I don't really understand your position here or that I want to argue you to to like, they're not that bad island so much as just it is difficult and usually counterproductive if you just go with the all stick, no carrot, your parents are awful, just get over it. Or even just your parents are awful, get there now. Right. I th- think it's also like looking for the question in this question of like, how do I square this? Are we talking about what is going to be my general disposition going forward? Are we talking about do I say something or not say something? What level of like acceptance are we working towards? Mm-hmm. And also primarily like it, it sounds like letter writer that you're really interested, <laughs> dedicated to helping your partner and her sister and trying to make sure that the relationship that they have or don't have to their parents is as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know other than talking with them about what they need and how to work that into like something that's actually kind of actionable rather than just stewing. And I think the dislike and disgust. Yeah. I, I think that my, my sense of what the underlying question here is, since previously I have really it sounds like kind of bent over backwards to be polite right and and possibly even not say anything when I would have liked to for the sake of keeping things civil and I kind of don't want to do that anymore and 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 not even like I now want to start calling them out on this stuff it's more like I want to as you know with as little fallout as possible kind of let it be known for me this is the last straw these are not right. actually people that i want to go back to having a polite relationship with i don't want to see them next christmas if my fiance and i decide to have kids i don't really want to have a grandparent relationship with them and i think all that's really understandable and i think the line that i hope that the letter writer can walk and that i would want them to walk is you, you have your own right to decide whether or not potential in-laws are people that you want to have a relationship with independent of how your partner feels. And then also to watch the way that you talk about this with your partner so that you don't like overcorrect having been so polite for years that you now just go right. straight to, I want to run them over with my car. Right. Yeah. You don't want to put them in the position of feeling defensive of their parents in some way. Yeah, but I think that you're right of, like, if it's all of this stuff is pent up, that there always is this feeling of, like, well, now I have to do something, and now I have to declare something. I don't know if you actually do. Yeah, so I think the place to start before you would think about talking to your partner's sister about this, and I think specifically, I assume you probably have already, but if you haven't and you just want to, like, say to your partner's sister, I'm so sorry, is there anything you need? I care about you. Right. Uh, just general support. This is bad. This shouldn't be happening to you. Do you need anything? Can I can I send you a pizza? Can I you know can we host a night where we take you out? 
do that, absolutely. Um, you know, withhold saying anything stronger than, I'm really sorry, that's really wrong of them. But you can certainly say that. That is totally appropriate. Um, but but just offering support, yes, by all means. But then to also, yeah, say to your partner, I, I think it's possible to both be like cautious about the kind of rhetoric that you're using and to also be really clear, right. which is just, you know, I, I think I've probably erred on the side of holding my tongue too much in the past. I don't regret being polite, but I do regret overlooking things that I, I wish I had just made clear that I thought we were wrong. And, and I do want to be able to talk about this with you now, which is I'm really horrified by your parents' behavior. Um, and this is the sort of latest example of it and, and the worst, but it's not as if we just removed this one thing that I would think, wow, things are really great. I understand that you're, they're your parents and that this is complicated and I don't want to tell you how to feel, but I just want you to know I don't like them. Uh, I, I don't, if, if they were to later half apologize and then want to get together and get dinner and sort of pretend this didn't happen, I would not be available for that. Right. And I think that's an appropriate thing to say, even if your partner gets really upset, even totally. if your partner says, oh, no, that makes things harder for me. Right. Uh, oh, no, I was really hoping that they would eventually pretend they never said this shit. and We could all sweep it together under the rug. You're not telling your partner what to do or how to feel. But I, I think, yeah, you absolutely get to draw a line in the sand. I think speak on your own behalf right. before you get to and our hypothetical future children should never have to hang out with them just because that's pretty loaded and right it's it's i think always safer to speak on your own behalf before you bring up children that don't yet exist totally but it's also good to talk about like at some point if if your fiance is consistently saying over the next couple of weeks or months no if we ever have kids i plan on relying on my parents as babysitters constantly like probably good to hash that one out before you get married yeah no and you absolutely have a right to all of the things that you have control over, whether you're not, whether or not you're going to go to that dinner, like whether or not you're going to participate in any sort of like reparative discussion, I think that that's totally fine. But it is a discussion with your partner. Yeah, and I think to just sort of err on the side of you want to speak honestly and and clearly about what you see as both like wrong and a clear pattern. But your goal is not to change how your partner or her sister feel about right. it. And so, again, just to say, like, they've done and said X, Y, Z, which I think is really wrong. I don't trust them. I, I think we don't share the same values. And I am not interested in hanging out with them anymore. I, I understand that that might affect you in ways that are painful and difficult. And I'm really here to talk about it. But that's a choice that I'm able to make for myself. And, and then just to say, I'll always understand if that's hard for you. I get that they're your parents and I'm not going to try to tell you just feel casually about any of this, but that's the line to walk. Uh, and, and just again, beyond that, I share your sense of anger and outrage and, and I, I think it would probably benefit your fiance and her sister to feel a little bit of it. But if they don't feel it and all they feel is sadness, I would not try to stick your oar in there or, or try to say like, get mad with me. Maybe they will later, maybe they won't. But in my experience, it's really hard to make somebody mad about something. Like, if they want to get mad about something, you can whip them up. And chances are that they are super mad about it. But the relationship that with they, that they have with their parents, that there's a lot of other stuff that's on top of that. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, letter writer, you say that this is a pattern and it's gone on for as long as they can remember. So in some ways, I think that probably makes sense. This is not like a fresh outrage. This is kind of what they grew up with thinking was normal. 
Um, I, I do hope eventually someday they might get angry. I think that would probably be good for them. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't need them to get angry in order to talk honestly about what you want. And I think to also encourage your partner to find additional forms of support for dealing with this sadness. That's not just like, and never talk to me about it, but just, I, I would also want her to be able to talk about it with people who have been in similar situations or who are maybe have more patience for the sadness, which is not to say you should just feel no patience at all, just that um, it would be really great for her to talk to more than just you about this if she can. So I don't mean in the sense of go talk to other people about this and stop talking about it with me. Just encourage her to seek out more support if it seems like she's still having a tough time. But yeah, I think to just thread that line between you can always reiterate what they did was so wrong. They shouldn't have treated you like that. They shouldn't have treated your sister like that. They shouldn't have told you to fix this. That's deeply wrong. And to stop short of, and therefore they're awful, therefore they're bad. Um, And for that, I would just encourage, if you need to go talk about that with like, you know, a trusted friend Mm -hmm. on your own, who you really can rely on to not like spread it around and to say like, this is me venting. I'm not just like saying stuff that I'm going to go tell everybody, but I just need like 20 minutes to say how angry I am at these people. I think that would be great. Um, but yeah, draw the line by all means. Do you think there's anything else besides just sort of having that conversation? Like, what would you want the letter writer to bear in mind if they said this to their fiance and their fiance was just like, I can't believe this. You're forcing me to choose sides or you're giving me an ultimatum or you're just as bad as they are. I hope that doesn't happen. But like, if we get kind of a worst case displacement scenario, what would your next set of advice be? Oof, that's hard. That's a big discussion about, I think, priorities Mm -hmm. whether or not the letter writer's disposition towards their partner's parents making that clear is more important than supporting your partner Mm -hmm. i don't really know how to back out of a conversation like that to be able to say like you know what fine like we don't agree on this but also it's not important for me to keep fighting about it i think If you enter into that conversation with that in mind Mm -hmm. of, okay, when am I willing to drop this? Or like, when am I willing to, uh, what would I need to actually have some sort of like satisfaction in this conversation? And Mm -hmm. what does it mean if I don't get that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it is difficult because in some ways it is an ultimatum, but it's just also true that there's reasonable behavior that's possible to compromise with. There's even unreasonable behavior it's possible to compromise with. There's levels of homophobia that like I'm willing to do business with and hope that somebody will come around. I think the level of demanding both your kids pay you back for their college tuition because one of them just came out, that's very high. That's right. not like it's a little difficult or they said something kind of weird once or twice. That's like again, sorry to like keep using the phrase weapons grade today, but just that is very intense. It's vicious. Yeah, it's really brutal. And so I think it's just really appropriate for you to be able to say, independent of my relationship with you, like there's just certain things that I'm not okay with. And I would never be able to just paper over or act as if had not happened. And so maybe then in that case, you could say, listen, if they are willing to apologize and take it back, I will hear them out. But I would also want to hear that apology. This is also something that affects me just like as a person who values other people. Uh, And so there's also something that they would, again, like you're not the first port of call for the apology tour. Like it really needs to start with their kids. But certainly like 
they would need to repair their relationship with you for you to even consider potentially a polite, you know, three or four dinners a year. So I don't mean to say like offer that as a sort of like token, but if this is something where you and your partner talk a lot about it and you really cannot see eye to eye and your fiance just says, I really need to, for both of us to spend a lot of time with my parents and for that to be something you're on board with and for you to say, I can't do that. Hopefully that's not something you break up over, but if ultimately you did, like if someone told me that story, I would say like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm sorry that you guys broke up, but that's an understandable thing to break up right. over. That is not beyond reason. Or is it understandable from, I think, both sides? I mean, understandable, but not necessarily supported. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think this is a totally appropriate line in the sand for you to have, letter writer. Right. Um, and frankly, uh, as, as long as you don't go too overboard and say anything really, really over the top about them, I think you're in pretty solid territory for saying probably should have done this a little bit sooner. Um, but I, it sounds like you, again, just were appropriately concerned about not overstepping your boundaries in somebody else's family. Because there's just that sort of in-between stage, like between being in a long-term relationship, becoming engaged, getting married, where you you shift from company manners to, well, these people are part of my family now. And that's a different level of rules uh, about how we talk to each other. The situation where... If my partner's parents were demanding that they pay back their college tuition Mm -hmm. and we were married at a domestic partnership shared bank account or something like that, the amount of pressure of having (laughs) having to discuss with my partner, how much money are we going to pay back to your parents every month? (laughs) Yeah. Is... That's a tough one. Also, like, luckily, they can't enforce that outside of emotional pressure. Like right. there's not a there's not a law in the books where you're allowed to call that back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, as you as you say, like if if they did successfully like use emotional pressure such that uh, either kid was like, okay, here's our repayment plan. Yeah, I'd absolutely be like, not with my money, right? Yeah, right. Or I can't help support you during that. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you know, do you, do you have homophobic college repayment money? Because I don't. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it's also just, again, it's really sad and it makes sense. It's yeah. sad when your parents brutalize you. Um, and it's sad when when this happens kind of over and over again and then it just gets worse and I'm really sorry. And, and I just wish you and your fiance the best. And I hope that you can just get some helpful distance and clarity. And that doesn't mean that she'll eventually say, that was great. I'm so glad we never talked to them. It might continue to be sad. But when your relationship is at this point, sometimes – it's just better to be sad and not also get yelled at all day. Yes. And if you're going to be sad with or without them, and one version of being sad involves not getting yelled at all day, take the version where you don't get yelled at all day. That's that's my kind of core wisdom at the at the bottom of this one. I'm glad that our next letter is a little bit lighter mm-hmm. or like not lighter because it does involve like bereavement, but <laughs> you know, right. The question itself feels a little bit lighter. Um, and, and like on some level, the problem of this family is like really close knit in a way that does not involve constantly yelling at people to give you money if they're gay. So that's good, right? Like we're, <laughs> we're at a better level of family dysfunction than we were. And I think that's nice. It is nice. 
Have you ever dated someone who has like a really great family that you really like a lot? Yes. Did you get to keep any of that family after you broke up? No. Oh, I'm sorry. On Instagram. That's not nothing. Yeah. That's not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we were about to like get stuck in a loop where I just kept saying, yeah. that's not nothing. Yeah. That's not nothing. Yeah. Ah. Um, no, but that's tough. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. And it can be both like equally compelling if you like someone and you also really like their family. Uh, although actually, to be fair, this letter writer does not say I really like how close everyone is. No. It's more just they're all really close. Right. And I guess I <laughs> sort of assumed that meant it's terrific. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess this is a sort of flip side of like the charismatic, expansive, moonstruck style family uh, where it's just sort of like, they're kind of a lot. Yeah. But I sort of feel like I can't say anything. Right. Because of the bereavement. Right. And the good news is, you, as long as you're not saying anything about the bereavement, you're totally allowed to bring this up. So just as long as you don't say, hey, by the way, this bothers me, and I think it's because you guys lost a sibling. Just don't do that, and you'll be fine. But right. but do not do that. Right. Oh, why don't I read the letter? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so, uh, so people know what we're talking about. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Subject is on the outs. I've been with my boyfriend for nine months. He's fantastic. We have so much fun, and I love him very much. From the beginning, I knew his family was extremely important to him. He lost one of his sisters a few years ago, and the family has struggled a lot since then. It also brought them all very close together. He lives with his other sister, and they are very close, closer than any siblings I know. They live together, they're best friends, and they're inseparable. I also love his sister, but I've had run-ins with her about the time that he spends with me cutting into their time together and his time with the family. I try very hard to be conscious of the time that he wants and needs with his family, but recently it's felt kind of threatening. His sister said to me last night that I shouldn't speak up against his cousins and other family when they said controversial things because, quote, you're not safe yet. It didn't feel so harsh in the moment, but when I got home and thought about it, it did hurt me. I know that he loves me, but sometimes I feel like I have to stifle my thoughts or comments because of his family out of fear that their opinion of me could have negative consequences for our relationship. I'm not sure how to address this with my boyfriend or whether this is something I should just brush off and see as something I have to deal with. So now that I've read this out loud, I actually think it's got maybe a little bit more in common with that earlier letter than I wanted it to because I'm like, I feel like I can guess what some of those controversial things might have been. Also, the framing of controversial. Like, oh, yeah, it's one side of the argument. It's like, no. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It was, maybe. Maybe That's it was assumptive. controversial, right. but like low stakes. Right. But my my sense there was like that is a stand in for an ism that I don't want to, I don't sure. want to outline. And maybe, maybe it's not that intense, but you know, it, it's neither. Is it just like, Oh, we disagreed about like floral arrangements. Right. Yeah. It was like big ticket items. What do you think you are not safe means? Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't think it was like, I'll kill you. No, I don't think so. Okay, great. Yes. Good. No, I, I did not I, think it was I, I a direct threat on the letter writer's like, life. Well, we'll hunt you. I, we will hunt you for sport. We are the family that does the purge. Right. And the family that purges together surges together. Uh, 
yeah, to me, it was just like, you're not safe. You haven't passed the test. We haven't decided yet that you're in the family. Mm-hmm. And if you say something or disagree with a cousin, you know, we might have a family council and vote you off the island like in Survivor. Uh-huh. That was how I read it. And, yeah. And I'm sure it was like that sort of like playful, but don't test me kind of like, this can be a joke, but also I mean it. In some ways, it could be like a very on the table version of stuff that I think often goes unspoken when you're meeting somebody's family for the first, second, third time or something like that of like, can this person hang? Yes, yes. And um, and it's unclear to me whether these comments from the sister have come while the boyfriend's around or if it's been more like a group setting, sister takes the letter writer kind of aside and there's like plausible deniability. So I'm sort of curious, like, was your boyfriend present for you're not safe yet? And if so, did he think it was funny? Did he laugh it off? Was he sort of like carefully looking at the wall and not getting involved? Um, Did he like suddenly whip out his phone and be like, oh, I got to look at this now? Or was he on the other side of the room and from, from all he could see, you two were just like having a regular conversation. So obviously I think the first thing to do is talk to your boyfriend. But mm-hmm. depending on how much of this he has seen, if it's not very much, I would try to go in with a light touch and really just say like, you know, is this something that like you agree with your sister about? Like, are you guys kind of on the same page? Is that an expectation that you have for me? Like, ideally, if I'm, you know, with your extended family, I, I want to be polite But also, like, if one of your cousins says something that I disagree with, now that we've met each other more than a few times, I would like to be able to, you know, politely share my opinion. Is that something that you see as, like, really weird? Or is that something that you see as, like, totally fine? Um, Because some of this could potentially just be his sister sort of assuming they're on the same wavelength. And he's like, eh, not really. Right. Like, we're close, but, like, I don't agree with you about everything. Right. Also, I think it's one of those things, too, when you can enter into a conversation with somebody and just be like, hey, listen, I don't know quite what I feel or would want out of this, but I have weird vibes. I have some concerns, but more is just kind of like, I feel a little bit uncomfortable about this. Yeah. And with the assumption that if they want to engage, that you'll be able to find something in there. I don't think, I try and do this in my own life where I don't have to have like, my folio of evidence and exhibits and all of my opinions written out in order to engage with somebody in a conversation, but more just be like, hey, listen, these are the feelings that I'm having. This is the kind of thought that I'm having. Yeah, I think that's super, super reasonable. I think you should address this with your boyfriend. So I guess the question is, I'm not sure how. You can even lead with that. Like you can even just start by saying, your sister said something that kind of sat with me longer than I expected the other day. And I want to talk about it with you, not because I need you to like solve it or we have to fix it immediately, but uh, just because I want to know what you're thinking uh, and because I want to try to, you know, figure out what's a good way to to relate to her about this. And I think if you frame it as like, hey, I want your help kind of figuring out this slightly tricky like traffic maneuver mm. rather than like, I have bad news, your sister's mean, then right. I think that that's just, that's just like my strategic offering. Obviously, if you try to talk to him about it and you really dislike his reaction and you start to feel like, man, he's really like weirdly choosing his sister over me in a way I don't think is necessary and that colors the way I see our relationship, you are, of course, entitled to see things differently and kind of change your mind. But given that so far, at least, we don't have reason to think that he has like deputized his sister to kind of like bully you into adopting like 
family party lines. Um, I think being a little bit strategic, but mostly honest, is like probably just a good way to go when it comes to getting on the same page as your partner. I don't think that's too like Borgia-esque of like, oh, I'm scheming with like my brother the cardinal against our father the pope. It's more just like, you know, you want him to sort of uh, hear you out and potentially be on your side. And so I think it's strategic to approach it in a disarming way. Right. Yeah, with the idea of like, hey, I want to have the best relationship, you know, that I can with your family. And this is the some of the stuff that I'm navigating. Yeah. And and again, to really avoid having it be any kind of a referendum on like his sister's behavior. Totally. Um, and and just I think even as you consider replying to her uh independently, just like to take a light touch, like it sounds like she kind of wants to do like some slightly like Borgia-esque maneuvering or like she kind of wants you to think of her as like a cool scheming court eunuch who's like, I know the ins and outs of this like wicked dynasty in ways that you never will. And I have so many secret labyrinths and torture chambers sort of like, yeah, maybe. Or like maybe you're just some guy um, of just like, I I do want you to feel at least the – possibility of if she says something like don't speak up against the cousins because you're not safe yet you could potentially still politely just say something like what an odd thing to say anyways i'm gonna get some more macaroni like you if someone really wants to play like court intrigue with you you don't always have to play and i i feel like maybe part of what's going on is is your your boyfriend sister maybe wants to feel very powerful And so she says that in order to sort of make herself seem, you know, like a bird. Like, you know, when pigeons are fighting over the same crust of bread and one of them gets really big, Uh swells up its neck. Starts doing spins. The pigeon didn't just get bigger. Right. It's a trick. It's an illusion. (laughs) And so, like, she's not the boss of you. You know, she doesn't like – obviously – you know, you do have to be slightly political because if you behave in a way that everyone dislikes at the family dinner, you're not going to be popular. Sure. But beyond that – I don't know. And if it's already she, clear that the sister is very protective of her time with yeah. your boyfriend. And it's, I think, understandable that she would want to feel like she has some control over that by yeah. having, I don't know, a little bit of control over you. Yeah. And so I think the line to draw there is you don't have to accept everything she says to you. Right. Uh, but neither do you have to meet her at the level of threat that she feels. Mm-hmm. So if she seems to feel really threatened by you, you don't necessarily have to go up in your own affect. Um, you can just say sort of like, hey, it makes so much sense that this might be tricky. Um, I just want to reiterate, uh, I'm not looking to get into your time with Jonas or whatever his name is. But like, if you really are worried about scheduling, I just encourage you to talk to Jonas about that. Right. So I, I think kind of a mix of like, you know, baseline friendliness and respect. But respecting somebody as a person and their feelings and their concerns is not the same thing as respecting her desire to tell you, like, I decide what you say to the cousins and not you. Right. Like that you can kind of politely decline to respect. It's a good example, I think, of somebody declaring stakes Yeah, that you don't necessarily have to accept. Yeah, you don't have to do a Hatfields and McCoys thing with right. her. And so I think really just stress, like, I'm really sorry that you feel like you haven't been getting time with your brother. Right. Uh, if you ever want to sit down, all three of us, and figure out like a good schedule, I'm totally available for that. Um, and of course, you know, talk to him if if you're not seeing him enough. But really, I think circumvent any sort of like, no, 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 this is you and me. We got to hash it out. Don't right. talk to him because um, I think that's just going to make you feel 
threatened in a way that you just don't have to. And so I think, again, just when you bring it up with your boyfriend to really frame it as like, totally understand where she's coming from. I don't agree with some of her priors, but I'm not trying to say that like she's losing it or behaving really like awfully. I just think you should know this so that you two can have this conversation because it seems like she's trying to have a conversation with me that frankly she should probably be having with you. Right. If she feels like she's not seeing you enough, but she doesn't feel like she can tell you and she's telling me, I, I think the repair needs to happen over there between you two. Totally. Between me and her. And to remember that it's not a zero-sum game. Yeah. There's plenty of Jonas to go around. Lots of Jonas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that both leaves room for it's totally okay that they're really close. And it's also really okay that he has, like, somebody that he's dating and that that will take up some more of his time. Right. Um, and to just feel like it, you don't have to like hash out how much of this might have to do with the fact that they lost a sister a few years ago. You don't ever have to worry about to what extent that might be present here. I would just say your job is basically never bring that up. I right. don't mean in the sense of like never talk about her because of course that's they care about her and they want to talk about her. But like n- I would encourage you never bring that up in terms of how his other sister is talking to you. Right. Because it can only hurt your your case. It only hurt other people's feelings. And it just doesn't matter. Again, like whether or not that's coloring this, it's it's still okay for you to say like, hey, I I want you to know a little bit about this and maybe help me out here a little bit. Maybe Mm -hmm. talk to her on, on your own behalf. So it's not just me out there. But it could never help you to say, and I think this is because of the loss of your other sister and she needs to you know, fill in the blank, usually some version of get over it more, which is just like, that's, first of all, that doesn't help anybody get over anything. And second of all, it would just make you look insensitive and would frankly be insensitive. With all of these letters, I think it reminds me of this thing of like, is the the gold water rule pathologizing somebody that you don't let me take it again. <laughs> all, all I can think of is right. the, the Goldwater ad with a little girl in the daisy. Well, it's the the idea that or the belief that I sometimes also get caught in is that if you can understand the psychology of somebody else and their motivations and what that they are trying to do, that you'll be able to say the perfect thing and that the conflict will get resolved. So do you know what I love? What? I just looked it up. Uh, And the Goldwater Rule is Section 7 in the American Psychiatric Association. Uh And it states that a physician shall recognize the responsibility to participate in activities contributing to the improvement of the community and the betterment of public health. On occasion, psychiatrists are asked for an opinion about it. Basically, it means don't diagnose somebody you don't treat. That wasn't what I was meaning. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. It's the idea that... <laughs> Nailed like, it. You, like, don't try and pathologize other people with the idea that doing that is going to somehow reveal this magic thing that you can say that's going to resolve the conflict or mm-hmm. make their life better or make your life together better or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you don't have to understand somebody else's motivations. And also, ultimately, <laughs> with all of these situations, there is no right thing to say that's going to suddenly resolve the conflict. Yeah, because there's no control group version of them right. where they didn't lose their sister. Right. So it's sort of like, it's not that it doesn't matter so much as it's just that's not something that's going to change. Right. And it it doesn't change the reasonableness of your own desire, which is to share your concern with your boyfriend and to potentially have a bigger three-person conversation about time spent together. And and there's no reason to bring up the other sister uh, in that context that would be at all beneficial to you. Um, And uh, yeah, now that now I can think of is, you remember that his like, 
campaign slogan for a while was in your heart, you know, he's right. Uh-huh. And then the the counter slogan was in your guts, you know, he's nuts. I didn't know that. It's cute. I think that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they had they had fun little rhyming slogans, uh-huh. uh, you know, in the in the 60s. And, and I think that's nice. Wasn't the Nixon one? I love Dick or something. I, you know, to me, all of my I saw the movie Dick before I saw all the president's men. Mm-hmm. So all I know is like the dick jokes from that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like by the seventies, I love Dick would have been slightly cheeky. Like uh-huh. if people were saying that, it would have been with a bit of a wink. Oh, totally. No, that's what I mean. Okay. It's, yeah. I mean, it was a book by uh, Chris Krause. I read that. Did you? I never yeah. did. It was good. Was it? Yeah. That's good. I don't have anything else to say other no. than I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to just. Google I love Dick campaign slogan. Uh, oh, it said we like Dick. We like. Oh, Dick. that's cute. Okay, I'm. Oh, you can't at a lick of, Dick. You can't lick. They can't lick our Dick. Um, oh man. Which again, I'm sure was not like a TV slogan that they were airing at like 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. But I bet like a handful of slightly like saucy staffers like made some buttons up. Right. Um, Did you know that I was an extra in a Woody Harrelson HBO series as? a young Republican on the Nixon campaign. There's so many things I don't know about yeah, you. Your you don't job, know my current job. This, so why would you know that? That's bananas. Uh, according to throw account 100 on this forum about the buttons, by the way, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain I heard these buttons were satire com- created by anti-Nixon supporters. So who's to say? But tell me your time with Woody Harrelson making the movies. Uh-huh. How did that happen? That's it. You're just in the background as a yep. young Republican? Yeah. Do you know what I just did? What? I just Googled Ben Gullard Woody Harrelson. <laughs> like somebody would have like taken a freeze frame picture and been like, huh? and here's the name of one right. of the Or X-Men's. find some slash fiction. Um, no, but it is showing me results from Ben Gillard Woody Harrelson spelled better. Huh. Um, uh, about a KFC ad? I doubt I was credited. What was the name of the show? Uh, the White House Plumbers. I'm sorry? Mm-hmm. The White House plumbers? It was the team for the Nixon administration that was going to go fix all the leaks. Oh, oh, so this was a miniseries that like just came out. Mm -hmm. So you were in something recently. Yeah. Wow. I'm in the background somewhere. That's fantastic. Wow. Justin Theroux is G. Gordon Liddy. Uh Uh-huh. G. Gordon Liddy wishes. (laughs) Sorry to- G. Gordon Liddy could never. Sorry to body shame G. Gordon Liddy. But he's not, he was never as handsome as Justin Theroux. And I, I don't mind saying so, even on the air. Bold. I mean, I think Justin Theroux is a very handsome man. I do, too. I don't think it's an insult to say that a person is less handsome than Justin Theroux. Statistically, no. most people are less. I'm less handsome than Justin Theroux. Me, too. And I still feel pretty good about it. G. Gordon Liddy has kind of like a... I don't know. I'm looking at this picture of him from 98 and like he has kind of like a Mr. Clean look that Mm -hmm. I could see. It's nice. He has a a well-trimmed mustache and kind of like twinkling eyes. And he sort of looks like a, a, a more like clean cut, like Tom of Finland, Santa ish. It's not bad. Wow. That's an image. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have any stronger feelings about (laughs) G Gordon Liddy's uh, personal, personal appearance. So with that, I will say thank you so much for listening to this show, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. 
Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice or conversations with our guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe you need some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. And here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. Again, this wasn't a specific question, but I just do want to speak to you. You say that you've personally forgiven him for it now. I genuinely, genuinely am glad for you. And that's meaningful. And I just want to stress, none of what you're considering doing is at odds with personal forgiveness, um, which again is something you get to do when you think it would benefit you. And it does not necessarily require that someone else apologize depending on your own you know, personal framework for what forgiveness looks like. And just as forgiveness is not a a requirement for anyone else, I don't think anyone else has the right to try to take it away or suggest that you shouldn't forgive someone. So I just really want to say, I'm really glad you found a way of relating to that past experience in a way that works for you. That sounds really like flat, but I genuinely mean that. If that is meaningful to you, then like honor and take pride in that forgiveness. That's yours. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash mood.